This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Hello and welcome to episode 564 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It's Friday, June 15th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and today is the third episode of Call Your Shot. This is my uh, uh, baseball ripoff of Anthony Fantano's Let's Argue, uh, where you leave your unpopular opinions, scorching hot takes, and thought-provoking questions that are related to baseball, and, uh, and then I try to tackle them. As I mentioned, this is the third installment. first two have gone pretty well, so let's just get started. First one, Smata uh, underscore BB says, Franmil Reyes is the second coming of Domingo Santana. Now, look, got a little clarity on it. He was going for the uh, size comparison, just, just kind of a one-to-one size comparison there. Because for me, I kind of have Franmil Reyes as like maybe a better iteration right now of, of the Kyle Blanks, uh, Jabari Blash, you know, sort of sellout for powers type of guys that we've been seeing in San Diego uh, because he doesn't have any of the Domingo Santana power, but he does cut that same frame, 6'5", 275 for Fran Mill. Let's see, where is Santana? Does Santana weigh that much? Let's, I, I did not know that he weighed that much. Just because he, he runs decently, he is 6'5", nice, 220. So I'm not sure that they're quite quite up there at the same size. I'm going to stick with Franmil Reyes being a blanks, a blanks blash sort of, um, sort of clone. And we'll call him Fran, Franmil Blayus so that it can be Blayus blanks blash. Uh, hopefully he doesn't fade out as quickly as, as those two did. Yikes. Uh, all right, let's see what is next. The Rockies are going on an extreme heater and will be first in the division easily on July 31st. Not a Rockies fan, just think they have a lot of positive regression coming, especially when they're at home. They will hit much better over the next six weeks. That's from Telestar7. I can kind of get behind that. I could see I could see where that's coming from. Um, you know, they've kind of been treading water despite the offense really not clicking. They're 33 and 35. Um, you look up and down the lineup, and, and as he mentioned, kind of the home the homework for, for Colorado has been unimpressive, obviously, in an environment that should foster offense in every way, shape, or form. So I could see the offensive explosion coming as far as being uh, first easily. I'm, I'm, I'm a little less uh, in on that with the Diamondbacks, Dodgers, and Giants ahead of them, all three. I don't think all three will necessarily stay ahead, 
but um i don't know man i'm 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 basic as hell thinking that the dodgers are going to make a run too i understand there's there's like nothing special about that take but that's kind of where i'm at so uh we'll see and i i did ask very nicely of of telestar if it could start on friday which is today because i spot started vince velasquez yesterday and uh he got it done so i really appreciate that uh, his name's Todd. So thank you, Todd. I appreciate that. Now the Rockies can start their heater. It is officially to begin today. So keep an eye on that, folks. If the Rockies put up like 10 today, Todd's a freaking genius. Uh, next up is DD City Sports. Joe Kelly is a top five. Okay, never mind. Let's just move on. Um, let's see. Next up. Oh, this one's sad. Doxonville. At Doxonville, Miggy's going to retire. I don't think that's going to happen, but oh, that would suck. That would suck, man. It it, it really sucks to lose Miggy uh, to to a big injury. We're obviously done with, or or likely, I shouldn't say obviously. I, you know, anything can happen, but we're very likely done with with elite Miggy on on any level. Really, I think I think he's going to be more of like the uh, the Joe Maurer type, where it's a lot of batting average, OBP. And kind of, you know, clubhouse leadership. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at there. But hopefully he doesn't retire. I don't think he'll leave that money on the table. I'm not saying he's like, you know, only money motivated or anything. Miggy strikes me as the type who you're going to have to drag off the field, um, and, because he just he wants to be playing baseball. So we'll we'll see we'll see how he comes back next year. He's got a deal until 23. I think he at least rides that out. Next up is at Stat Magician. Ben Intendi is better than Bryce Harper. Hmm. I don't know. Like, okay, there, there's some, there's some Harper. I don't want to say Harper hate. I don't want to go too far. Well, maybe, maybe it is. There's just some Harper pushback up and down the uh, the responses to this week's, and I think there have been in all three. There's been something about Harper because there are people that just don't like Bryce Harper and don't and kind of refuse to acknowledge that he is really, 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 really awesome at baseball because he only has the one, you know, truly elite season, the MVP season. And, you know, he's dealt with injuries and he's certainly not on a trout level, which is what he was compared to coming up as if that's fair. But uh, no, I, I'm still taking, I'm still taking Harper pretty easily, even in a down year. Uh, where you know his batting average is terrible at 224. I think there's some bad luck there. There's some, you know, of, of Harper's own doing. Even with that, he's still been able to put up a 127 WRC plus because his OBP is still through the roof, and he still has a 500 slug. So we're still looking at a very healthy uh, ISO, which is your uh, slug minus batting average, which is 276, of course. So I'm still going to take Harper. Ben Attendee's awesome, but he's a platoon guy. Well, wait, let me actually see. Hang on. Before I go run my mouth on that, is Harper hitting lefties? Because if not, then they're both having issues on the uh, on the same side there. Let me see what Harper's been at to this year against lefties. Uh, it's not great. No, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that a 758 OPS is great. But in the scope of lefty-lefty, it's a, a lot better than people would think. You would think, oh, 758, that's terrible. But as lefty-lefty goes, it's probably still um, – it's definitely well above average. He has a 207 average against lefty, so that's definitely hurting Harper there. 
with his batting average, he hasn't he hasn't gotten hits against lefties. Let's see where Benintendi's at because the reason I know um, that he's had some struggles against lefties in his career at least is the way I know a lot of nerdy stuff about players because of MLB The Show. His player card is not very good against lefties. Okay, he's hitting 207, 292, 431, good for a 723 OPS. So very similar to Harper there. Meanwhile, Benintendi's beasting on righties, and Harper certainly is is not uh, because – Again, his batting average. I mean, he does have a 923 OPS because the OBP is through the roof and the slug is still there. So I would say that he's still doing very well. Bottom line is I can't take Benintendi over Harper right now. I just can't. And so I'm not uh I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go with that one. Benintendi's a really good player. Harper is still uh, a generational talent. I'm sorry, he is. I mean, just look at what what he's done. There was another one from a friend of mine who said, you know, Harper only gets the love that he gets because he came up at nineteen and I don't think that's the only reason that he gets it, but that's a big part of it. To come up and have success that early and sustain success um, bodes very well when you come up at 19 and succeed. That's why Juan Soto's future is looking extremely bright because he's come up and held his more than held his own. To say he held his own would be like you know a 770. OPS and he's grinding it out. He's kicking the hell out of the league. Juan Soto is. It's 20 games, but he's he's smacking pitchers with a 10.88 OPS and one more walk than strikeout. So anyway, don't want to get on a tangent there. Uh, I'm still taking Harper pretty high in in like a redraft situation of fantasy or real baseball. Uh, a Coppa says you can't win your roto league with Billy Hamilton in your outfield. Preach, preach, brother. Uh, it, He's terrible. I took him in the Arizona Fall League. I, I was trying something. I paired him with, with Chris Davis from Oakland. Just wanted to see what, what it would be like. And this one test sample obviously does not, you know, say one way or another about like, oh, you know, uh, you can't win with him because that team isn't doing well. I don't see teams win with Billy Hamilton regularly. I'm sure some of you have, and that's great. It, you can win your league. Obviously, he's going for a little uh, hyperbole there. Anthony is. But I think his general point if you know it's it's a tweet but if we were getting him to expound and kind of talk through it i'm sure he would say that uh you don't enhance your chances to the level that you think and i think that's the point because he gets drafted so early and he's such a drain on everything but steals and then this year he's not even getting the over the top stolen bases i think billy hamilton has like 12 steals i'm pulling it up right now if he has like 24 i'm gonna look like an idiot he has 10 i overstated it at 12 he's just I'm, I'm sorry. He's just not a good baseball player. Um, composite, right? He has positive things, elite speed, quality, you know, very strong defense. But he doesn't have enough factors at the dish to uh, add up to a good baseball player for Billy Hamilton. So I agree with that one. Uh, I like that one there. Here's one. Kyle Schwarber is a top five defensive left fielder in Major League Baseball according to all field fielding metrics. That's not so much a hot take or an unpopular opinion as it is a fact. I, I assume you looked it up. That's uh, at, at SJ Hall 17. However, my response there was um, that's why even the creators of advanced metrics suggest being leery of using them in small samples. Small samples being even a year can be noisy and they'll say, you know, don't don't automatically think that, okay, this guy had a great defensive year. He's now a great defender. Um, it does take a while to for statistically relevant uh, for a statistically relevant sample of defense based on the defensive metrics. That said, I also looked at him up uh, looked up him at baseball savants outs above average, 
leaderboard there, and uh, he wasn't doing he wasn't doing that well this year. Let me see where Schwarber is. What, what's what's he look tracking at now? He has he has a minus one outs above average, which is uh, 139th, which is a hell of a lot better than I'm sure he was last year. Um, and there's 202 fielders listed. By the way, dead last is Nick Castellanos. And if you're a Tigers fan or you are like an AL Central fan who watches all your team's games so you've seen a bunch of Tigers games, you know that that's true. He is horrible out there. I think there's something with his vision, too, because he can't track the ball to save his life. He looks like my dumbass out there. And I'm just a clown who writes about internet, uh, or writes about baseball on the Internet and then dry, tries to catch softballs once a week. He's a Major League Baseball player, so he probably shouldn't look like me out there. Um, all right, let's see here. <laughs> fake Craig Council, which is at Craig Council. So is it fake still? Um, says Matt Albers is made of 81% donuts. I have to call bullshit on this one because it's uh, 86% and it has been tested. So just get your numbers right. It's just a respect thing for the conversation that you bring the proper information. Um, it's 86%. It went up. It was 81 for two years. You had good data two years ago, but it has changed. So if you're going to come with hot takes, make sure you have your data in order. Okay. It's simple, and I'm sorry to get angry, but it's serious. You're going to go around saying Matt Albers is uh, made out of 81% donuts. You're going to mislead people. You're going to look stupid. It is 86%. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting heated. I'm getting heated, but it's 86%. Just just, just have the numbers, okay? It's on fan graphs. We keep that. Um, you can see what percentage of donuts everyone is made of. Just Just follow it, okay? Chris Sale finally hit a percent this year. Because he had two donuts during spring training, um, and so good, good for him. But uh, it's eighty-six percent for Matt Albers. All right, next up is Clutch Silver, who says, "What are the Mariners going to do with Cano the rest of the season when he's eligible to return? Seems their formula is working without him. It really is, and it has been stunning to see them just absolutely take off after Robinson Cano was suspended for PEDs. It's looking like a, a good Ewing theory candidate for those that are." Are familiar with that Bill Simmons? Uh, I think it was his friend's theory that obviously you know he had a platform to kind of put out there into the world about how you know losing a star player, you know, kind of gets all the attention but hasn't quite gotten it done, and then when they lose that player, oh, everything's going to go to hell. They're toast, and instead they go the other way and really take off. And I think if I'm if I'm recalling correctly, his friend said it about UConn um, after they lost. Danielle Marshall. Don't quote me on that one. Um, but anyway, and then they took off, and then it took, and then the, the UConn took off, and then the, it happened with Ewing, and that's where it became Ewing theory. It, he wasn't the actual first one. It wasn't Ewing going down in the 99 playoffs, 2000 playoffs. I, terrible with the, some of this history, and neither college basketball nor pro basketball is what I would consider. Uh, a top sport that I follow. So if I'm missing some of these dates or getting some of these details wrong, please spare me. But I think I got the general premise. You lose a great player. You you know, you lose your best player, your your focal point, And instead of crumbling, you rise. And that's what's happening with Seattle. How are they going to use him when he comes back? They said that D. Gordon's going to continue to get time at second base. I wonder if that means Cano DHing, uh, Cruz getting in the outfield a little bit, or Cano maybe going to some first base, although Ryan Healy continues to produce. But they need D. Gordon getting reps at second base because, you know, they're tracking for the playoffs. They need him to be ready and, and 
set to go for the playoffs because Cano cannot play in the playoffs. Now, of course, Cano was performing. He might not be peak Ewing theory because it's not like he's their hands-down best player, especially at age 35. But it's not like he wasn't performing extremely well. 287, 385, 441, triple slash for Cano. That was a big bat to lose. Now, the thing of it is, I, I, I will be, be reluctant to go too hard on Ewing Theory in baseball because I think we see, for the examples, there's probably more that would happen in baseball than other sports just because of the way baseball works. I mean, you can't guarantee that your best players are going to get the, the key at-bats in a game late in the game to even win it anyway, um, or that, you know, your pitcher, the pitcher that you need to be ready uh, for, for game seven, you can't even guarantee that, that he'll be there. So you can't put your best players automatically in the position to win the game for you the way you can in other sports, particularly basketball, uh, where it's the five guys and you can just feed the number one guy the ball. But anyway, uh, I think that they're going to they're gonna work Cano around, maybe, again, incorporating some first base uh, and DH, and he might just sit some days and, and kind of be off the bench because they're doing it without him. He chose to make a decision to use uh, the PDs that he used, got suspended, and now he has to pay the consequences, including losing some playing time when he does come back. So I think that that's how they're going to approach it. Here's the thing, though, too, Clutch, is that a lot of this stuff ends up playing itself out. And I'm not you know rooting for injury or anything like that, but it's not out of bounds to believe that, okay, well, something would happen in, in an outfield spot, then that's where... Cruz would go, or, or maybe Hanniger goes to center, Cruz to right, Cano to DH, Gordon to second. You know, something could happen to where it kind of plays itself out. But um, if everyone's healthy and going, I think Cano's going to lose some time, as he should. Uh, J Rod says, 80 underscore J Rod. Justin Miller uh, is the best Washington, uh, of the Washington Nationals, is the best reliever in the NL East. Well, he's not the best reliever on his own team, so I don't agree with that. However, you wanted to use it to call attention to Justin Miller's numbers, and I'm definitely here for that. So let me let you all know what Justin Miller, yes, probably thinking of the right guy, a 31-year-old kind of journeyman reliever who has, I don't know, like 80 major league innings before this, uh, but so far has 10 and two-thirds with 21 strikeouts and two hits allowed. Like He is out of his mind right now, but it's 10 and two-thirds. Sean Doolittle is, is a better reliever. I'm still trusting Ryan Madsen more. But it's a good story, and it's great. And they, you know, bullpen's been an issue for this Washington team. I've I've often compared them to my beloved Tigers when when the Tigers were competing. Rock-solid lineup, elite rotation, and then a garbage bullpen. And, you know, I don't think it's garbage right now for the Nats. And they do littles better than any single reliever the Tigers had during their runs. But... Um, you know, it still does. It's still not a bullpen that runs exceedingly deep. So once you get beyond Doolittle and Madsen, you know, uh, Brandon Kinsler's okay, but he's on the DL right now. Sammy Solis, decent lefty. So if Miller did emerge to give them another uh, power arm in the middle innings, that would be that would be huge for them. I still think that they go and and add reinforcements at the deadline. Maybe not to the level of a Doolittle, but again, somebody that's solid in the middle there. And uh, yeah, I, again, I think that you were just trying to call some attention to Justin Miller, but if you truly believe it, that's fine. I, I just, I don't agree. I, I, I can't even say it for his own team. So then when we start going on the other teams, I think it, that would fall down quickly. Sir Anthony Dominguez, if you want to talk about just another small sample guy who's out of his mind, just on the small sample uh, chart, I would put Dominguez over Miller, but he has been great and worth monitoring right now. 
Uh, Doug Dennis at Doug Dennis forty one says Rick Porcello still sucks. Duh, I mean that Cy Young thieving son of a gun out here uh, fooling people in the first month of the season. Listen, he's better than he was last year. I, I think it was pretty clear that he wasn't a four sixty five, you know, ERA guy like going forward. Um, you know, the skills that Porcello had last year were worthy of a four sixty five because he allowed a boatload of homers and hits. But at age 28, I don't know that anyone was ready to say, well, that's just who he is. Be done with it. But for me, I still had him at, at best at, as kind of a high threes, low fours, and didn't really know where the strikeout rate was going to be. The only thing he really had working for him was team context. And so I kind of laid off. But 354 ERA, 115 whip um, with 80 strikeouts in his 86 in the third innings for poor. So that's pretty good uh, for those that are unfamiliar with Doug Dennis. He basically says everything sucks. So uh, a little tongue-in-cheek there, but I, I had to hit a little favorite on that one on the on the tweets just because I'm mad at Rick for stealing Justin's uh, Cy Young. He just shouldn't do that. Uh, Tim Irby, uh, Twerby ATX says, Defensive shifts should be allowed in fantasy lineups. Any combo of six infielders. If I want four third basemen, one shortstop, and one first baseman, go for it. That's interesting. What if we just made it infielder, outfielder? Uh, you'd still keep catcher, I guess. I, I would say personally, you know, keep that kind of strategy in there to give some of the better catchers a boost. It doesn't have to be two catcher. I'm not, I'm not dogmatic about two catcher because I know that that just drives some people through the wall having to fi- figure out a second catcher. But uh, then you go, you go catcher, infield, outfield. That would be really interesting. You know, obviously people would want to try to get a couple powerful first basemen. And there are times when first base is super stacked, but there's times when other positions are. So I don't even think it would, it would be like that. And then it would, it would turn the draft a lot. That would be really, really interesting. I'm here for it, Tim. Let's propose it in our league next year to Tim, another buddy of mine. So uh, let's propose it. Let's see if the, let's see if we get those guys on board. We're in a league with, uh, with some old timers. I don't know that they would go for that. Uh, Babs underscore Babs 99 says, Dodgers won't win a World Series anytime soon. You know, I could totally see that. Like, they missed an opportunity last year. Things have not been going that well for them this year. Is it just going to be a bunch of, of, you know, close calls? They still have gobs of talent, though. I still have to kind of favor them uh, in that division even, even though they're not winning it right now. Now, she likes American sports. Uh, She's... From the United Kingdom, by the way, I, and I don't say that for any reason to, uh, you know, discredit her. I'm trying to—I fi- was trying to figure out who her team was. If she is, if she's anti because she likes maybe one of the teams in that division, or if she's just smacking down the Dodgers, which I'm here for. I'm here for it, Babs. Um, but I don't know who your favorite team is. So if you listen to this, tell me who your favorite team is. So that way, uh, I just know where the Dodgers hate is coming from. I, I, I mean, I subscribe to the Dodgers hate. I just want to know the the root. For example, Justin Mason, co-host of this very podcast. Uh, he's actually here right now. He hasn't been talking the whole time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he despises the, the Dodgers. That's because he's a Giants fan. So I can understand and appreciate that. Maybe Babs loves the Diamondbacks, as Marcosman12 does and says, Yoshihisa Hirano is an all-star and a top 10 reliever. Man, some I'll hear people out here caping for these uh, middle relievers. Now, Hirano has been really good. 
He's been he's been doing a damn fine job this year. Kind of an under the radar signing, 34 year old from Japan, has 30 innings with a 150 ERA, .90 WHIP, 29 strikeouts, so just under a strikeout per inning. He's been great. He's not a top 10 reliever. Stop, stop it right now. But he's been damn good. I don't think he makes the All Star team though because you know they have to get the one per team, and so I think when on a team like the Diamondbacks that has ample candidates. The the middle relievers, which they do, they, you know, a lot more common to see a, a strong middle reliever on the All-Star team this year. You better believe Josh Hader is going to be in D.C. for the All-Star game. So it's much more common for that. But I also think that you got to kind of use some of those spots for the teams that don't have a lot of candidates and just kind of pluck their best reliever. Now, I'm, I haven't gone through and done the legwork, which I'm actually going to do and create my own uh, ALNL roster with the restrictions necessary. But I'm wondering, you know, he's not a middle reliever, but like Brad Hand is probably going to have to take San Diego's spot. Do they really have anybody else that they could feasibly send? I mean, Hosmer's been pretty good, so maybe he's a candidate. But then I'm looking at, uh, let's see, Tyson Ross maybe. Any other? And it's it's Hand. I mean, it's 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 Hand. And so that's just like a reliever spot that could maybe go to somebody like a Hirano that has to go because they, they've got to take somebody. And by the way, Brad Hand is super deserving too. So I don't say that to like shade him. What about the Reds? Do they have anybody? Um, I don't think Votto's getting voted in. Is he going to go? Uh, oh, Scooter Jeanette has to go for them. Or Suarez. They have candidates. Never mind. I'm just looking at the bad teams right now. But anyway, I don't really see it. Um, I don't really see him making the all-star team. He's been great. Marcos has been beating the drum for Hirano all year. Relax. Uh, all right, next up, Max Freeze at Freeze Stats. Nick Pavetta is a top 20 starter rest of season over guys like Keichel, Seamart, and Carrasco. Listen, I love Pavetta. And I get hell every time he starts and doesn't dominate. Of Why did you rank Nick Pavetta so high? And that's how they sound. Uh, it's crazy. I, everyone that critiques my Nick Pavetta ranking has that voice. It's very weird. Um, you can kind of hear it in their tweets. Though. Oh, why did you rank him that high? That's not that's too high. Twenty eight is too high. Uh, maybe it is, but stop. Let, let's let's dispel with the idea that Nick Pavetta has been bad for his last four starts because that's what I keep getting. Because he was uh, rough his last time out. He got punched around for five runs in an inning against the uh, the Rockies. Really bad inning, and it, it tarnished the outing. Right? I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to shade it that way and say like, oh, that one bad inning means he was great. He wasn't. He, he he struggled. Uh, he had chances to to put the Rockies away that game and just did not come through. But it has not been four bad starts in a row. First off, the first of those four starts was five innings, two runs, seven strikeouts, four hits against Toronto. I'm sorry he only went five, but there's no universe where that's a bad start. So right off the bat, that's not included. Next, at San Francisco, four innings, three runs. He only went four innings. He gave up three in San Francisco. Yeah, that one's not good. The one at Chicago, the White's, uh, the Cubs, excuse me, five innings, four runs, six strikeouts. Like, listen, that's not a great start, but eh, you a little bumped, ran into some trouble in the fifth, and and it wasn't a, a great outing. But I'm not seeing that as a big struggle. I see that from a guy like Pavetta, or really anybody on my roster. But let's just say from the non aces, I see a start like that. I am completely unmoved in terms of any sort of panic. Just because I see five and four, five innings, four runs, does not mean that 
wow, that was a terrible start. It wasn't a great one, but I'll take a couple of those. You're going to get some of those. That's a peak example of every start isn't actionable for me. It had some people wondering, you know, what's wrong with Pavetta and nothing. Even though it was followed by a five and six, so you got 10 and 10 over his last two starts, you know, and 13 in, in 14, 14 innings of with 13 runs in his last three, that, that, Combined, it's a bad run because two of the starts are bad. So two of his last three are bad. Yes. And, you know, what's actionable on it? Nothing. I don't really see anything that's that's making me move the needle here. I'll monitor it. I'm not saying ignore every start and, and don't be diligent. I'm saying I, I, I looked at it. I, I dug into it, and I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not moving Nick Pavetta right now. He's not top 20, though, and he's not over two of those guys, C. Martin Carrasco. Over Keiko, I'm fine with that. I don't really, I don't really freak out on that one. So that that one's totally fine. All right, let's see, let's see, let's see. Ooh, Topper Chris eighty nine says if a player's caught for PED, that team sh- he is on should be able to void the contract even if guaranteed. And then he puts Cano for for reference. That's a sticky wicket right there. Uh, maybe there would have to be like an escalation of offenses. I don't know that you could do one offense and now you're voiding contracts. But maybe there's something there because here, here's the thing, and I've said this: the dis, the the uh, incentive structure is such that they haven't put they haven't put things in place to make guys not want to take PEDs. Like the the getting caught is just not that painful for a player. Yes, you miss the 80 games, you're 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 kind of uh, dragged for a, a news cycle. And it will stick with you for some some folks for sure. And they'll say, ah, cheater, cheater, cheater. And that's okay. But it doesn't really affect you in the market if you're coming to re-sign a deal shortly after. Um, people tend to kind of forget and move on because you serve your 80 games and you, and you move on. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the ones that, well, you know, like like Cruz. We talked about Nelson Cruz earlier when we were talking about Seattle. You know, he was he was popped. Johnny Peralta signed that four-year deal with St. Louis shortly after he was popped. And I don't want to besmirch the good name, but wasn't Irvin Santana suspended for PEDs as well? No one really brings it. Yeah, suspended for PEDs for 80 games. No one really brings that up. And so it's like the the it's set up to where you don't really pay that much of a price. And so if you want to take a shot, because here's the thing. there When we see people get caught, that means there's there's tons that aren't getting caught. We're not catching everybody. Don't like we can't be naive to think that. Well, oh, Cano got popped. The, the system's working and and catching everybody. No, it's not. And um, there are ways to kind of get around it. And if you do get caught, you're like, well, I got caught, but it's probably worth it to them. So I don't think you can go all the way to that, Chris, and say you know one and done, you're out. But Maybe something that, that disincentivizes it more if you really want to get that stuff out of the game. Maybe a different structure needs to be set up because I don't think it's there right now. Ah, excuse me. Okay, this is this one's interesting. Now, I'm not including this one to like toot my own horn. But uh, I'm pulling something up here before I read this one because I'm just like, wait a minute. Okay, so this is this from Rashid. He says, Is Garrett Cole the next Max Scherzer? Interestingly, the 2018 Fantasy Black Book compared their early careers and hinted at the ascension. Wondering if you think he's on his way to being a top three to five starter 
for years to come. This is Cole. I think that maybe he doesn't realize that I wrote that. So, yes, I do think that. Um, I that that is interesting. I <laughs> yes, I do think that because I literally wrote that in the fantasy black book. That that that's an interesting thing. Like I'm not trying to roast him because first off, he you know, it's like paying me a compliment by saying he read the black book, which is what I wrote. But yeah, I made that comparison that Cole was feeling like a Max Scherzer sort of uh, play to me where the early part of his career showed the talent and and have flashes of excellence, but never really put it all the way together to the point where it's like kind of a disappointment. And then boom, Scherzer took off and has become the best pitcher in baseball. Now is Cole going to go to that? that? That's a hard thing to say that he's going to become the best pitcher in baseball or even like a top three necessarily. But I will, I will say that that Garrett Cole, I think he's going to become a consistent top five starter. And I was seeing kind of a Scherzering of him, and that's what I wrote in the black book. I compared their their stats through age twenty six. Scherzer had a twenty three percent strikeout rate, eight percent walk rate, one hundred nine ERA plus. That was in six hundred seventeen innings. Cole, now twenty three K eight walk, one hundred nine ERA plus. Cole. 23% K, so it's the same. 6% walk, a couple points less. 112 ERA plus, basically the same thing in 782 innings. So he has a few more innings under his belt. But by and large, you know those, those kind of base skills and results were very similar. Elite stuff that wasn't really quite extracting its full value. Now let's see what happens with Houston. And we saw, we've seen what's, ha- what's happening. And he really has ascended, Garrett Cole has, into a total stud. So yes. I do believe that uh, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a, a Scherzering of, of Cole, and uh, I think he's going to continue to be a stud. Cameron underscore Schaefer says, Josh Hader's a top three MVP candidate in the NL. I'm here for that. I'm with it. Yes, let's do it. Some Jake says, might not be hot enough, but are the Mariners better than the Astros? Mm. Oh, he says, <laughs> he answers his own question. He says, nope, but are they more than capable of going... 48, 47 the rest of the way and winning 90 games this year. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. That's not hot enough. You got to come real hot. You just said that they're going to go 500 the rest of the way and win nine. Jake, Jake, I I know Jake, by the way. I know you can come with hotter takes than that. You got to say that they're going to, you know, lose eight games the rest of the year and set a new wins record. That would be fire. Okay. Stan Slate, uh, at Tav Kolov says, John Gray will never live up to his DR, DRA. Uh, defensive runs allowed. Is that what that is? Is that what DRA stands for? DRA baseball. What's I, I know the stat, but what what is it? Deserved run average. That's what it is. What I say, defensive runs allowed. What the hell does that mean? What would a pitcher's defensive runs allowed? God, you're so dumb, Paul. And I should cut this out, but I'm not going to. I'll leave it in. You guys can make fun of me out here thinking that DRA stands for defensive runs allowed for pitcher. The hell does that even mean? Uh, But anyway, no, John Gray probably won't live up to it because of the environment that he plays in will create fluctuations between what what he, quote unquote, deserved and what he does allow because Babips can run high, you know, will run high in Colorado, things like that. So I I, I can agree with that. (laughs) I like this one. Now, this is this is fire right here. Y'all put on put on your uh, your your flame proof suits here because I'm your Papa Bear says Max Muncy NL MVP book it done. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
Oh no, I just got an email. Let's see, what does that say? Oh, never mind. Um, anyway, next up is let's see here. I'm I, I am skipping over some some that that aren't hot enough, you know. So that's what we're doing here. Oh, this one's just at, at SVP's hair. Juan Soto looks like Cam Newton. Just a fact. Okay, let's see. Does he look like Cam Newton? Go to the Washington Nationals B-Ref page. Click on Juan Soto. It's already purple. God knows I've been on that page a bunch. Oh, they don't have his picture up yet. All right, let me hit the old Googler. Juan Soto. Images. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Yep. A little, little younger Cam Newton. Has anyone made that comparison in, like, the Google Images? Nope. It's funny. So I have Juan Soto in the search bar right now, and I just put Cam Newton after it, you know, thinking maybe there'd be like a side by side or something. It literally just goes to all Cam Newton picks. It the the search bar literally says Juan Soto Cam Newton, and it just wiped Juan Soto pictures off. And the first like six scrolls of my mouse are all Cam Newton picks. But yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it in the face there. Um, not really a hot take, but hey, good one. <laughs> I like this one. Dabak Knobloch says, should they move Rudnetto door to the bullpen? I'll hang up and listen. Probably. Um, you know, he's not doing anything with the uh, with the bat. Why, why not give him a go there? See if he can throw some haymakers um, on the mound. Next up, Roe Holman, 09, says, Sir Anthony Dominguez is already the second best relief pitcher in the NL East. Who's number one? See, my dude went for Justin Miller being number one. You're conceding the number one spot to somebody. Is it Doolittle? I wonder. Not Juris Familia. But you're, you're saying number two for Sir Anthony. So you got to come with the hotness and say, no, 15 innings in, he's the best. Uh, no, but listen, I'm going to say similar things that I said for Justin Miller. Although I really love what Dominguez is doing. He's not a journeyman. You know, he's got 19 innings of excellence as a 23-year-old looking really good. Um, I'd probably, I could probably get him in the top five though. I'm missing Atlanta guys. Arotis Viscaino and Dan Winkler have been their two studs, right? Anybody else I'm missing there? I like AJ Minter, but he has not lived up to the hype that I bestowed upon him. I thought he might chase down a hundred K's as a reliever. He was so good last year. And I just got wild on those, on those small samples. You know, sometimes you get lit on small samples. You get drunk on them. It, it can happen. Here's an interesting one from Shelly at Shelly V underscore six, four, three. Adam Conley is the next Andrew Miller type. Um, you know, seeing what he can do as a, as a next starter that it didn't quite work. He had had flashes here and there as a, as a starter, but it never really panned out. Now he's jumping in the bullpen and what can he do out of the bullpen? Could do some big things. I could totally see that. You know, you, you mentioned Andrew Miller, cause of course that's kind of the gold standard. You know who's another guy that that the Marlins had that that they Andrew Millard was Brad Hand, and we saw what he became. So you could even say Adam Conley as the next Brad Hand if if you don't want to kind of go super fiery and say Andrew Miller or whatever. If people are going to bug out on that, but yeah, I could I could totally see it. I, I bought into the Conley hype a couple times as a starter, so he's somebody that I like. I like his talent. Uh, definitely been following him, and he's off to a good start uh, out of the bullpen. Eleven in the third innings. With some really quality numbers, 159 ERA, uh, 106 WHIP, uh, 13 strikeouts in those 11 and a third. So that's that's really interesting. I'll definitely keep an eye on that one. I could totally see him becoming 
a much better guy as a as a two as a one to three inning guy for sure. Now here's a really interesting one uh, from at Real Fake Walter. Goldie's beat up on bad pitching in June and will continue to be inconsistent while disappointing uh, fantasy managers who took him in the first round. Hmm. And then a previous entrant at Freeze Stats then replied and said, "Couldn't have said it better myself." Reds, Rockies, and now the Pirates. He's two for four on the bases. The days of 18 to 20 steals are over. Hmm. Now, he may have, in fact, beat up on on bad pitching to kind of get going as well as, you know, use Coors to kind of foster, uh, you know, foster a little little run there and and jumpstart him. But I'm going to say no. I'm going to say I I disagree with that. I don't think he's going to come back down. And, and be terrible. You know, got a homer at home the other day, uh, which was nice. He's got two of those this month. And you're like, okay, relax. It's a couple homers at home. But he'd been so bad, Goldie had, uh, in Chase Field. You know, and everyone's thinking, oh, is the humidor making him do different things. He still has a terrible line, even with those homers. 183, 38, 303. That's so awful. Like, that's not, that's more than just the humidor. Like, at, at that point, there's something in your mind and some bad luck i'm sure like i'm i'm sure that there has to be something some well struck balls that are finding gloves that like normally would fall in in addition to everything else um you know when when it's that bad for a star level player like goldschmidt a lot of things are working against you at that point but no i think actually he'll be fine uh, i think he's going to end up being maybe this this year's josh donaldson where his second half is is peak peak goldschmidt and and he kind of gets completely back on track. So I'm going to disagree with you there, Walter, but I liked it. It was a good one. Next up is uh, at Baseball Dad 209 says, J-Hap, top 15 pitcher in the bigs. Whoo, that is sizzling. That is some sizzling heat right there. Disagree, I, but I do have him 29th. I've got him top 30 for J-Hap. I can't quite get top 15, but he has been a damn fine pitcher. And I would think that the Jays could probably get something legitimate for him. If they move him uh, at the deadline, you know, he's 35. You're not going to get, you know, a Glaber like prospect, which is, you know, kind of the, 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 the standard now of judging a trade because they got Glaber Torres for, for Chapman. Are you going to get a Glaber? There's a few, th- few trades where you're going to get someone that good. But uh, J Hop has been really good for a few years now, by the way. This isn't, this isn't brand new. Basically, since going to Toronto, well, actually, he really unlocked something in his short time with Pittsburgh uh, in the second half of 2015, and then has come to Toronto and put up three really, well, two plus strong seasons, 16, 17, and then so far here in 18. Let's see what his contract is like. Oh, this is it. So he's a free agent after this year. So that that'll that'll cut it a little bit in terms of what you'll be able to get. You're not going to get, if again, if they trade him, they're not going to get an A plus level prospect, but they should be able to get a, a notable prospect for their top 10 they're in kind of a tricky spot by the way in toronto because you know they had a rotation coming into the season i thought could help you know kind of compete some decent offense but it just really hasn't gone all that well and they're just kind of meandering along at 30 and 38 fourth in the east so they should they should probably trade him uh all right let's see here next up is roto Parado underscore Parado and says Dallas Keigel nothing more than a streamer right now. K rate in the toilet. Hitters can actually hit a sinker this year. Whip bottom 30 qualified. Yeah, I mean, I can't really disagree with what you're saying there because at this point he absolutely is. Now the question is on Keigel is will he get better? 
I think he'll get somewhat better, but I'm going to more agree with this than not. He's got a 445 ERA right now and a 132 whip. And and there's there's hits and homers abound for Keiko. I think he'll peel back some and and get the ERA down to maybe the low fours. But I don't think he's you know, he's not gonna be anywhere near their their top guy. I think he's gonna end up being kind of their fifth starter, which <laughs> if Dallas Keiko's your fifth starter, you're doing a lot of things right as a team. So it's still not even going to hurt them. Even if he keeps the 445 going, that's still not going to hurt them. So uh, you're probably right. It's more for fantasy that you should be leery. Uh, I wouldn't rush out to get Keiko. I've never been a huge Keiko fan anyway. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but yeah. I- I'll mostly agree with that, though. Uh, all right, next up. At James K three twenty nine, Freddie Freeman, the best player in the National League and top five in the majors. That's a really good one. Freddie Freeman is a monster, an absolute superstar. And if if you're if you're balking at that, I, I would encourage you to go check his numbers. I mean, to say he's like the number one guy right now in the NL, I'm fine with that because by hitting and and WAR he is. I think he's the NL MVP right now. And, I mean, look at what he's done. The only thing that's really gotten in Freddie Freeman's way since the 2015 has been health because he played 118 and 15, 158 the next year, but then 117 last year. So if he can stay healthy, I think we're going to see a very strong uh, MVP caliber season out of Freef. Uh, and that's just what we call, we call him Freef in my, uh, in my Twitch chat. I don't know why we put the F from uh, Freddie to the back end of his last name there for Freef. I don't exactly remember the origins of that, but f- for pretty much as long as I've been streaming with any sort of audience, he's been Freef. So if you ever hear me say Freef, that's Freddie Freeman. F-R-E-E-F. Freef. NL MVP. Coming at you. Uh, <laughs> now this guy, speaking of my uh, Twitch chat, he's a newcomer to my Twitch chat. And this one does not surprise me now that I see this. At Parker Jose F3 says Blake Snell's a serious Cy Young candidate. Uh, he was in the chat, like really pumping up Blake Snell before this most recent start. And then, of course, it didn't quite go well against New York. But hey, credit to Parker. He showed up, took the heat, you know, said, hey, what's what's up, y'all? I'm still dealing from the uh f- from this start he was really bugging out it's like dude it's one it's one start don't worry but yeah i really like snell and i do th- see him as a as a contender for the cy young i agree all right i think this is gonna be the last one first off you guys are killing it on this so many responses really impressed and pleased and grateful thank y'all so much for this we're gonna close on this one at first base 987 says Dozier doesn't save his or fantasy manager's season with a huge second half and falls out of the top 10 second baseman going into next year. How many times are you going to fall for the wobbly first half out of Dozier? I disagree here. I think he's going to explode in the summer yet again. I've been on the, oh, well, I guess we're done with Dozier as a good player scenario. And then he he comes back. He rises like a phoenix. And um, I'm not going to get burnt. I, I understand you keep... You keep calling it. You're probably going to win eventually on this. 
But the the second halves that he had the last two years, and listen, it's not like he's even been. Well, I guess he's under. Okay, okay. I I, I thought he was tracking like a one ten ish sort of OPS plus, you know, just kind of meandering along. But he actually has a sub four hundred slug right now. Dozier does. He's at a ninety four OPS plus. So I get that. You know, you're seeing the depths that he's in right now, and it's it's worrisome. But no, I I think he charges back again. I don't know. I, I admittedly, this is more of a feel sort of. Uh, wish casting thing as opposed to anything tangible that I can say, oh, this is what he's going to unlock and do it for Dozier. But no, I, I, I'm going to disagree. I, I believe in the Doge and I would definitely go out there and try to uh, scoop him on the cheap. So if if you're against that, uh, and then you're with first base 987. If, if you want to go out and get Dozier and he, he fails you, then I guess you can yell at me. I won't do anything about it, but you can definitely yell at me. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Episode 5, what did I say, 564 um, of the show and episode 3 of Call Your Shot in the books. We will do another one soon. Uh, let's see. So we'll have Fireside on Sunday. Then next weekend, I will be in Denver for the Fangraphs trip. So we will have to uh, figure out what we're going to do there. I might have to record something on Tuesday and Wednesday one to post on that day and then another to post on Thursday or Friday. I don't think it'll be a call your shot, but we'll do another call your shot probably the week of the 25th. So look for that. And I uh, hope y'all have a good, good weekend. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Keep killing it. Take care of your kids and being a badass. Peace. fair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league well look no further and download squad ql the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year download squad ql for free for your apple and android devices squad ql recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters bench players and free agent pool how does squad ql actually do this the app connects directly with your yahoo espn and cbs leagues pulling in your actual roster your league scoring system the app also provides waiver wire recommendations daily updates to player rankings and much more head to the apple app or google play stores to download squad ql your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager squad ql is brought to you by the creators of roto ql the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.